We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, a.k.a. the College Graduate Edition, <laughs> a.k.a. the Steve and Dusty Party at Lambo Edition. What week. is going on, guys? Nothing. Nothing. It's going to be a good week, Steve. It's going to be a good week. Yeah, Sarah, no no more college. No more college. I am graduating on Saturday. I'm super excited. Today was my last day of anything, of being on campus, as a student at least. So I am pumped. I'm so happy. Could not be happier. And yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm in a super good mood. It's Bears week and I'm graduating, so it couldn't be better. Seriously, dude, congratulations. That's amazing. Amazing. Thank you. I'm Very super cool. Excited. Crazy uncles approved. Good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah was telling us before uh, that we started recording too that she uh, was one of the top group was the top group in her final class, which is really cool. Um, very very proud uncles over here of you doing such an outstanding <laughs> job and you know moving yourself into the real world like all of us. So welcome welcome to the uh, welcome to the matrix, my friend. <laughs> She doesn't know what that is, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I know what the matrix is. <laughs> okay, so Green Bay Packers are now ten and three. They are 
coming off a victory over the Redskins, guys. I just want some quick reactions. I know, Sarah, you wrote the game reactions for Cheesehead, so why don't you start us off? And uh, I will say I did thoroughly appreciate your your game recap, but uh, feel free. Hit us up. What was your your initial reactions to the game? Yeah, I mean, I think the first quarter was what – was ideal. It was what we wanted to see. There was energy on both sides of the ball. I think the defense did an amazing job. I think they overall their whole performance was pretty good. But in the first quarter, I mean, the Redskins didn't get a single first down, so that was crazy. And I think the first first down that they got was because of a penalty on Green Bay. So that was obviously a really strong showing for them at first. The offense looked good, but then into the second quarter and the rest of the game, it was a little like lackluster. There wasn't a lot going on. There wasn't a huge sense of urgency there. But I think that says a lot when a team like Packers cannot maybe play their best for a full game and they can still win. Um, And I know Rodgers kind of said the same thing. You know, that wasn't our best, but a win is a win and we're going to move on. And now we have these next, you know, three huge division games. And obviously we saw some positives in punt returns this week. So that was amazing. Mm -hmm. We were talking a little about a little about that before this and how it was just if he did literally anything we were screaming and yelling of joy at the tv so that was really great to see aaron jones i mean he's aaron jones he's on fire this season he was on fire again against the redskins and we're hoping he's going to be on fire again this week against the bears and you know there like i said it wasn't the most exciting game through all four quarters but there were moments that were positive and that you know, give you hope as a Packers fan and excited to see what they can do in these next three weeks. Good job with a quick uh, analysis, Sarah. Dusty, what's up? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I echo the vast majority of that. I mean, they came out looking good, uh, how you expect them to do against Washington. And then for whatever reason, and I'll, I, I will probably get into it a little bit later um, when we're kind of talking about this game. I feel like some of the, the there was some hesitancy on Rodgers uh, that was a little disappointing to see. There was a couple missed throws that I mean I know Lafleur said after the game some of those stats clearly look better if he hits on some of those. And one of those was uh, one of my favorite my favorite ones was the uh, Aaron Jones sluggo that he cooked Landon Collins so hard. Oh my God. Collins fell over and then. Jones could not go to the outside, had to go to the inside, and the timing got screwed up, and Rogers, so Rogers throws outside, and Jones is not there. Um, so that kind of sucked, but, it, I mean, it was this... Um, okay, I hate to break this up. Yeah. Was that, so that is designed to be, like, an, for Jones to go outside? He was designed to go outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you run that slant and go. Oh, that's why. And you could even. Throws. Yeah, you could even see him if you watch that play. You can see Jones like starting to cut outside. Like I think he takes half a step, sees Collins, and has to cut inside. And Rogers just basically saw that cut, had him open, throws up over the top, and throws sideline. But Jones had to go inside, and so they were just a little bit off. Just the angle on that was off. Okay. Uh, yeah, the floor specifically addressed that one after the game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there were some of the, there was some timing stuff off, some comeback routes were a little off. They were just, just off. And I think some of that maybe had to do with a little bit of tinkering. Like I said, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but, uh, like I said, a win's a win. It was, it wasn't overly impressive, but it was, it was a win and, uh, they're 10 and three. And I, I don't know. I, there's things to not necessarily complain about. There's certainly things to maybe have a little bit of concern about, but I, nothing that I wasn't already kind of concerned about anyway. So they got to win. It's exciting. I I mean I I took away a lot of same things you guys did ten and threes is place that not a lot of us had predicted they would be at this time uh, opportunity to be thirteen and three for sure the number two seed 
a lot of help, but they could still potentially be the number one seed. But overall, like this is the team is who we thought they were. Like to to quote Denny Green, they are we they are who they we thought they were. They they have an offense that is still trying to figure it all out. Their defense bends; it doesn't break. So it's okay for the Packers to win a game like this, and it's okay for people to criticize them and critique them, but still be happy overall. That's kind of my biggest takeaway. Is like Twitter was freaking out because that's what people on Twitter do. They all freak out. But overall, they're 10-3. and three. It's okay to analyze the game, critique the game, mm-hmm. and then they'll be happy with the fact that they're 10-3. and three. Yes. So that's my biggest takeaway. We The Packers are 10-3. and three. We are moving on to the injury report, which, I mean, like every single week we talk about this. I mean, I, we keep knocking on wood, but – my God, this team is just remarkably healthy. Um, so the initial one came out. Uh, Devontae was a full participant again. Uh, as far as limited participants, they had Geronimo on there, Belaga with veterans rest, Jimmy Graham, Kevin King, Mercedes Lewis on veterans rest, veterans rest sorry, uh, Billy Turner, Dan- Danny Vitale, and Tremont Williams, all limited. Um, I'm... I don't even know what to do because, like, the last several years, by this time, there's, like, 12 dudes on IR. There's, like, the list is 17 people deep um, of not participating. So this is a great place to be in, and the Bears are on quite quite the opposite end of the spectrum. So, uh, yeah. Dusty, do you have any, any reactions to that? No, not really. I mean, like, I mean, you kind of said everything. It's It's – it is weird, and it, we we kind of keep saying this every week. We hesitate to talk about it too much just because I feel like the last time we harped on it too much, they lost five guys in that next week. But, <laughs> they, I mean, yeah, to be here where they are now, uh, you know, obviously still figuring some stuff out, but being this clean on the injury report, it's um, I keep waiting for the hammer to fall, and it hasn't yet. It's 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 been remarkable so far. It's been one of those seasons that they've just been – they've been very lucky with injuries. Um so, yeah, let's keep knocking on wood every single possible time. But, Sarah, uh, last week, Darius Geis got tackled by Darnell Savage, and drama ensued. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your thoughts on Geis tweeting about how he thought it was a low blow, all this kind of just BS garbage, but fill the people in on it for us. Yeah, so he basically, someone tweeted a sequence of Savage tackling him and basically was just saying, oh, this was the play where guys got injured. And they weren't really implying anything. Uh, implying anything. They were just like, here's the play. This was the shot in the sequence of what happened. And he commented on it, which I think you guys said is now deleted. I didn't know that until we had talked about it. And yeah, said he did delete it. It was a cheap shot or something like that. And then someone responded, how was it a cheap shot? And he said, oh, he knew, with my history, with my knees, he, he went right for my knee. Like, he should have known. And so I just have a little bit of a personal issue with this because, so when I was a soccer player back in the day and in high school and everything, I tore my ACL, had the big knee injury, did the whole reconstructive surgery, rehabbed for the whole year and came back. And and came back the next year and played. And if that next year, people that I was going up against were like, oh, I want to go easier on her because she has a history with her knee. Or if they were even thinking about that. I just don't think it's even possible when someone is running full speed like that and you're, you know, 
Geist was going to have a huge, he did have a huge pickup and he was going to keep going and going that Savage is like, Oh, let me stop and think about <laughs> what injuries he had before and tackle him right there in that spot. Like, no, it happened so fast. And that's, it's a game. If you're an athlete at that level, I mean, you have to expect that things like that are going to happen. People are going to tackle you. Was it like, was it a little bit of a low tackle? Who knows who's going to be the judge of that? But still, that's the name of the game. He's a running back. He's going to get hit in the legs like that. And it was just a little bizarre to me. That was That's how I would describe it more than anything, that he would go out there. And obviously, he deleted the tweet. So whether he was just sick and tired of people commenting back because the comments were insane, if basically mm-hmm. everyone disagreed with him, or you know, somebody in the Redskins organization was like, hey, man, like you need to not be saying that. Um, I don't know. But it was it was a little strange to me, kind of pissed me off, but whatever. I'm not gonna not gonna let it bother me that much longer. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have OBJ. So Dusty, I'm gonna refer to you because we had some fun banter before this even started. Uh put out a picture on Instagram and I I gotta preface this that it already makes my brain itch just reading what he <laughs> quote wrote. Uh, so he put a picture of himself and said, can't appreciate the sun if you ain't never stood in the rain. So again, as my English major, like that, that legit makes my brain itch. Um, and you know, Skip Bayless came out and everybody was talking about Skip Bayless saying that he wanted to go play for, with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And that blew up the internet. And then Devonte Adams commented on this picture and said, now, let's make that face mask green. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you it. guys all call me crazy because I was like, ooh, Antonio Brown, that's a good idea. And I know, I know that was a bad idea. But this is another diva wide receiver. Like, He's a diva wide right. receiver. Go ahead, that, Jesse, take he, it away. He's a diva wide receiver. Uh, we've seen his antics on the side. Like we've, we've witnessed a lot of that firsthand. We've seen what he's done in Cleveland. I don't have his stats in front of me. I did not pull those up. Uh, he has not been having a good season. You know, the whole thought of him coming to Cleveland, him and uh, Landry last year, or the, or this offseason, was Mayfield's going to light it up. They got, you know, Kitchens calling the plays, and they look good uh, when Kitchens was calling last year. Mayfield's going to take a step up, and now he's got these weapons, man. So OBJ comes in the, riding this, this huge wave and does next to nothing this year. And I know there's, like, some sports hernia stuff there, but here's what I will say. He's even when they were losing. I don't recall him complaining to the media about how he didn't get touches. There was a, there's drama in Cleveland, but I don't re- particularly recall him being a huge part of that. Uh, it's it, it's all speculative, man. This is never going to happen, so it's fine. Uh, if you look at just his skill set and what the Packers could use, yes. Yes, he would be a huge upgrade on that wide receiver position. Him and Adams running side by side would be insane. I mean, OBJ just one of just stats alone, one of the best wide receivers we've seen in a very very long time. I mean, he's putting up just insane numbers. He still has great speed. He can take he's any 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 catch he can take to the house. We've seen him make insane catches. He's it he should be just an absolutely huge weapon to any any offense. He can catch. He can run. Uh, he's got quickness. Great player, would be amazing in Green Bay. It's not going to happen. It's fun to dream about, just from a, a Madden slash Stratomatic perspective, if nothing else, the stuff they could do with him. But 
it's not going to happen. But I also think, as me and Sarah are talking about and reminding you of beforehand, um, OBJ almost also didn't like almost kill a child by throwing things out of his window, and and like accidentally almost. Oh yeah, my bad, my bad. uh, Throwing (laughs) a TV out of his 14th floor apartment. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I almost hit a person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's my bad, Steve. That's my bad. Sure. It was probably that dad's fault for walking his child on the sidewalk. It was should have known Antonio Brown was going to be It it was his kindly old grandfather, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) They're both dramatic, but they are dramatic in different ways. Like, there's the dramatic spectrum, and OBJ is, like, a little bit on the spectrum. But then, at the very end... OBJ is a little bit on the spectrum. But then, on the far side of... I'll give you Antonio Brown's on the far side of the spectrum. OBJ's like in the middle. Here's what you brought up, Steve. You're like, hey, you guys called me crazy for Antonio for, for AB. How about OBJ, who's not as close to that crazy? What about that, huh? And now you're trying to make us look insane for saying that OBJ's not as bad. I don't understand your angle, but you've lost, sir. You've lost. That's, Condolences. I don't Condolences. have an angle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sunday's gonna be fun. <laughs> really excited. <isn't> <laughs> Just gonna be yelling at each other like during the middle of timeouts and <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right actually. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just saying, like uh, again, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they are going to pull a trigger. Like what? They probably have to throw at least a first round draft pick to get him. It depends I, on the noise he makes. It depends on if they really feel like they need to get rid of him. Uh, but yeah, at least a first round sounds right to me. Yeah. Um. I just I can't imagine that happening. I'm going to see if I can quickly pull up what he fetched in the last trade, but I know there was multiple players in that one. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's, there's the, the, I mean, blew it up a little bit, but the, there is personality stuff to consider. Like, oh, for sure, you're not wrong there. But I think if you're if you're thinking about what AB has done versus if you look at OBJ's history and like really look at some of those things, was like, so if it's just kind of annoying and dumb, like, oh, well, he. He knocked over that kicking net, and then he made up with it. That was, like, a contrived little thing, that whole, like, proposing to the... But that's, like, that's goofy. That's silly. Like, it's not trying to kill a child or whatever. Yeah. So, it the the full trade... Full trade was Beckham and Olivier Vernon... That's right. ...for Kevin Zeitler, Jabril Peppers, their first-round pick, and their third-round pick. Yeah, that's... That's a haul. It's it's really if the Browns, how badly the Browns feel like they want to move on from him. They and they and I think the biggest thing too was the Giants want to get rid of Olivier Vernon's contract. Yeah, one of those things you don't win Super Bowls in March for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think we're all kind of on board. Probably not going to happen, but very fun to argue about. I enjoy I enjoy the banter between the three of us <laughs> on this kind of stuff. It is officially. Bears week. So it's very, very exciting. We will continue our tradition of talking about the Packers offense versus the Bears defense or whoever they're playing that week. So, Sarah, uh, why don't you break down what you your biggest uh, factor you're looking into for the week? I will go next, and then, Dusty, we will give you the floor to uh, do that thing that you do. Cool. All right. So basically just to break down a little bit of know my research process and then what I'll be looking for so overall everybody knows the Bears have a good defense they have had a good defense the last few years um it's always one 
it always seems like the, they know the Packers almost better than anybody else. And that's always the big thing. So just a little bit of stats to throw out here. So their defense ranks seventh in the league in holding opponents on third down with a conversion percentage of about 35%. They rank fifth in the league in average points allowed per drive with about 1.54. And their defense ranks fourth in the NFL and second in the NFC in points per game with about 17.8. So obviously, like I said, you know, those are statistics that are in their favor there. But there is some holes and gaps that the Packers could definitely expose. And what I'm going to be looking at there is with the linebacker position, what's going on there. So their starting linebackers in Smith and Trevathan are both out for this game. So Kwiatkowski, I think, is how you pronounce that. I'm not sure if I totally butchered that. Somebody let me know. But he's going to be stepping in. And obviously that provides opportunity for Aaron Jones to come in and um, just reading up on some things and looking a little bit on YouTube, Kwiatkowski, uh, or however you correctly pronounce his name, um, he does a decent job protecting the run game, but he struggles a lot when these running backs like Aaron Jones can be active in the passing game. So I think that is going to be huge. That's going to be something that I'm looking for. Um, Steve sent me a tweet before this, or he sent us a tweet before this from Zach Cruz. Yes, that's who it's from. And he said the Packers are 4-0 this season when Aaron Jones receives 20 or more touches. And he's averaged 187.5 total yards in those four games, too. So my big thing is get Aaron Jones involved. We've been saying it every single week. Give this man the ball. Throw him the ball. Let him run. Get him the touches that he needs because I really think on offense this week, that's going to be where the Packers can break through. And that's going to be what I'm looking for. Very cool. Uh, I mean, I think if you want to just call him – Linebacker forty four from now on, Kwiatkowski. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's pretty. That's a that's a tough one. Um, but as to your other talk about Aaron Jones and getting twenty plus touches, I mean it. It calls for Dusty and I to be hired by the Packers like legit immediately because we we've been talking about this for like a year. And if that's all it takes is to be like, hey, Aaron Jones needs to touch the ball like twenty plus times. It was like every week I would like Aaron Jones to touch the ball, like have 20 to 25 plus touches. I think that would be great. Not just all rushes, but receiving and and rushing and like that. Uh, come on, Matt LaFleur, we know you listen to this. Give us a call. Uh, I live closer than Dusty, so obviously I'm the preferred candidate. I, you know, you won't have to pay relocation fees that much. So uh, feel free. Give me give me a ring. It will. Uh, I will definitely pick up from the uh, 920 area code. The things I'm looking for. I'm just trying to move on because I know Dusty. Just I can drive real fast. I can drive real fast. I'll use you. I wanted to start looking at because, as we know, Bears fans have the love-hate relationship with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, they love him one week. They hate him the next week. They love him the next week. Uh, it's back and forth, back and forth because the Bears have been 4-1 in their last four games, and that's really exciting. And They're back in the playoff hunt, which is kind of crap, but – Whatever, they technically are in the, the playoff on. So I wanted to look at the last five games where they have actually been 4-1, and one, and I wanted to look at them versus the Packers and see kind of where it all laid out and what we could kind of expect for the next for the game coming up here. So the first takeaway I had from that was the fact that they played Detroit twice. They played the Giants. Uh, they played the Rams, which they lost, and then uh, – 
beat Dallas, they beat Dallas at home on a Thursday night. So, I mean, everybody knows that Thursday night schedule. If you're playing at home, you have a huge, huge advantage. So, things I looked at for that was uh, rushing yards that they were giving up, how many points they were allowing. Uh, and then I took the same aspect. I took the Packers' last five games, and I took their rushing yards and their points scored. So just a little bit of a breakdown. The Bears are giving up roughly 100, uh, 100.8 yards per game rushing for the last five games. They're scoring for their offense a little over 20.2 points per game, and they're giving up 17.6 points per game. So scoring about a field goal more than they're giving up. And then for the Packers' side of the ball, they are give, they are rushing 115.6 yards per game, and they are scoring – 18.8 points per game over the last five, which if you kind of take into consideration, they've got the eight points from the San Francisco game. They've got the 11 from the game they played uh, against the Chargers. It kind of makes sense if you throw in a 20, a 31, a 24, and that kind of all makes sense. But I think that's the biggest thing, especially, Sarah, the things you touched on with the linebackers being gone. I think the rushing game is going to be really, really big. I'm looking for Aaron Jones to hopefully get those 20-plus touches. I'm looking for him to have a really effective game on the ground and through the air and just be that focal point. Like, I think he's he's number 1A. I think Devontae Adams is 1B. And I think Aaron Rodgers is officially, like, either 1C or number 2 in this offense. I think that's the way it needs to be for the team to succeed. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. I think it's going to be a, a very – very close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, so we'll get to those numbers uh, score prediction-wise in a little bit, but uh, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the rush offense versus the rush defense, seeing where those linebackers can fill in, um, and hopefully the Packers can just keep there. So, Dusty, what do you what do you got for us? Uh, a couple things. First off, it uh, looks like it's, it's Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski? Uh, and the other thing is that I agree with everything about the rush game. That'd be awesome. Uh, however, if I'm not mistaken, Akeem Hicks is returning this week, I believe on a bit of a pitch count, but their rush defense does tend to be better when he's in there because he's that kind of rock in the middle. So uh, it, it, it's po- it's possibly won't be 100%, again, possibly a pitch count as well, but I would definitely watch that middle of the field to see what Hicks is doing, uh, especially if they're having tough sledding in the run game because that dude's a monster when he's right. Uh, so that's, that's, that's definitely something to look for in the run game. Uh, I have a couple things to look at. One kind of touches on the run game. Uh, the first thing is just I want to look at red zone scoring. Uh, the Bears, for as good as that defense is, and they're good across the board, uh, they're allowing touchdowns on 55.8% of opponent trips to the red zone, which is 17th in the league, uh, which, you know, below average. That's not great, so the below average. Uh, over the past three games, they're giving up touchdowns on 66.7% of, uh, of opponent drives, which would rank 31st if they held that over the, over the full season. So for as good as they are, they're not great. They're, you know, average to below average in the red zone and, and kind of taken a dip these past few weeks. Uh, the Packers are scoring at 68.2% of their drives, which is third in the league. Uh, and, you know, they had those struggles early, but they've done pretty well since then. They're actually 667 over the past three. So right around their season average is what they're doing, which, again, would rank third for the season. So that's if the Packers can get to the red zone, uh, look for them to be able to do some stuff there. Uh, so that's my first thing. Uh, my last thing is just uh, I want to talk about – I'm going to start off first. We'll talk about personnel groupings. This is something I actually I kind of brought up on Twitter the other day because I, I, I deal with them a lot. I talk about them a fair amount, but it's not something I don't know is well-known as far as the terminology. So we'll just talk about that real, real quick. If you're talking about personnel groupings, you hear a lot of things like, 
11, 12. This past week, the Packers did a lot of, uh, or did a fair amount of 13 personnel. So what that stands for is that first number is the amount of running backs on the field, and then the second number is the amount of tight, tight ends on the field, and then that then the wide receivers are assumed based on the fact there's only, you know, Five, five possible skill positions. So if you're talking about 11 personnel, that's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So I want to bring that up because I will be talking a lot about personnel groupings here. So let's start off with the, the defense by receiver. The Bears defense by receiver, good across the board for the most part. They're fifth. They were, uh, this is per football outsiders. They ranked fifth in defense against wide receiver ones, 17th against wide receiver two. Uh, so, you know, slightly below average. That's that's MVS or Lazard. Uh, could probably do a little things here. They've got some good cornerbacks, but they could do some work there. Against all others or against the other wide receivers, not one or twos, they're fourth. Really good. They're 10th against running backs. So it might be tough uh, tough for the running back passing game there. They are 22nd against tight ends. 22nd against tight ends. So tight ends mark their worst group or the, the, the receivers they're worst against. So we're, that's what we're starting with. So, okay, how do we target the tight ends? Now, Jimmy Graham has, the past three or four weeks, I think has been marketably improved. They've done, they found really good ways to uh, to get him the ball, and he's done some really good things with the ball in his hand. So uh, I'm going to kind of look at that. So I'm focusing on the tight end group because that's where the Bears struggle. The Packers rolled out 13 personnel, which, again, one running back, three tight ends, three tight ends, and one wide receiver on nine snaps this past week. That accounted for 15.3% uh, of their snaps on the game. So that doesn't sound like a ton. Only nine snaps, not a ton. But they'd only used that, that personnel grouping, that 13, uh, 13 personnel grouping, 13 times in the previous 12 weeks. So those nine snaps accounted for over 40% of their usage for the year. When I said earlier I was going to kind of bring this back up again, one of the reasons I think maybe they looked a little out of sync, it looked to me like LaFleur is kind of tinkering with this. The, the tight end group has been essentially Graham and Lewis. Tanya had been injured. Sternberger had been injured. That tight end group really hadn't been all that great. Well, now those guys are healthy, and I feel like LaFleur is looking actively looking for a way to get them on the field. So, again, 15% of their snaps in 13 personnel most of any game so far this year. So it looks like they're trying to work on that. So and one of the things they did, they, they did a whole lot of, there's a couple things you can do. So you got this three tight end grouping with one running back. It, you get a heavy look out of that. Uh, and so you can potentially run or pass out of that. And so you get a, if you roll out a heavier offensive group, you get a heavier defensive group. And then when you have some receiving options, like two of those guys say that are on the field, you're going to have Graham, Lewis, and either Sternberg or Tanyan in there kind of more receivers than tight ends. So you're matching up, you know, Sternberger, who has looked really good in his limited snaps he's gotten, matched up on a linebacker. That opens some stuff up. It also can help suck up the uh, linebackers a little bit on play action because they're looking a little bit more for that run because they're in the heavy package. So uh, that's that's kind of – that's something to look at. Look at what they're rolling out. Uh, look at what the Packers are rolling out. How many tight ends do they have? How many running backs do they have? How are the Bears matching up on that? And then and then what can they pick out? I really do believe that part of the struggles we saw this past week was just it's Washington. They got up fairly big early. It looked like they were dominating the game. Let's work on some of these things. Uh, so I actually had one other one other thing here on the personnel grouping. I guess yeah, I think I do. I'm making this up as I go along. So the first half this past week. Uh, 48% of the Packers' snaps involve multiple tight ends, two or more tight ends. In the second half, 57%. So for the game, over 50% of their snaps featured two or more tight ends. So first, so I'll just do it by half. First half of this past game, 48% of their snaps, more than two, two or more tight ends. On the season in the first half, 
18% of their first half snaps. So 30%. was a 30% difference in snaps with multiple tight ends. In the second half, 57% this past week, 27% in the second half for the rest of the year. So the Packers are working on something here. And what they're working on is this multiple tight end thing. And they haven't been able to do it much just the past couple weeks. So they're struggling a little. But if they can get that rolling against the Bears, who have been struggling against covering tight ends all year, that could be huge for them. I think that that kind of lends itself to fewer chunk plays and more kind of move it down the field, so maybe a lower scoring game. But definitely look at the personnel groupings, look at the tight ends, look at those packages, and then see how the Bears are matching up against them and see how the Packers are looking to exploit those mismatches. I'm really, really excited about this. And the best part is we're going to watch it in person. Yeah, I probably won't notice it during, in person, but uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Sarah, be great. Seems, Sarah seems really excited for the fact that we're going to be there. Um, <laughs> I can tell. I, I can just tell. have FOMO. That's all. I have FOMO, <laughs> and then they're doing the big Cheesehead TV meetup. <sighs> I, I do have FOMO. Don't worry, I'm Sarah. We'll, for you. we'll take pictures and send them to you. I wouldn't worry mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> that will help with her FOMO. Steve, I, I, think, I think maybe we shouldn't do that. Oh, no, it's happening. No, I'm I totally actually would enjoy seeing pictures. I, I genuinely would enjoy because I'm very I, happy that everyone's going to meet up and have fun. I mean, it's not my fault that I live in Florida. So, it's true. <laughs> like, I mean, it's going to be 15 degrees there. So at least you'll be like, you'll be like, oh, look at those guys. They're freezing their butts off. And yeah, we're going to take pictures of uh, like just freezing to death. And Sarah's going to take a picture of her in a blanket with hot cocoa. Just like, oh, no. And the sun's out. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right, score prediction time, or as we like to call it here, the Most Stuff Oreo Challenge. Sarah, you are still losing, shockingly enough. Uh, you have a 9-4 and four record. Dusty and I both match the Green Bay Packers with a 10-3 and three record. So we will make our selections first. And uh, Dusty, what do you got, dude? I'm going to keep it rolling, man. You know, it's the, it's the Packers' uh, last game in Lambeau for the year. Uh, on the season so far, the Packers are six and one at home. The Bears are three and three on the road. Those usually don't mean too much, but yeah, you know, it's a little something. The Packers are going to be amped up a little bit, I assume. Again, last game in Lambeau, it's going to be cold. They're going to be feeling it. I think they're going to ride that that three tight end or two tight end formation. I'm going to go um, low scoring, a little bit higher than last time. I'm going to go 17-7, and I was on a I was on a Bears podcast last night, so I'll just say the same thing there. 17-7 and uh, at least one missed kick from the Bears. Ooh. I can dig it. 17-7. Wow. Um, I am going the same way. I've got the Packers winning, obviously, because, you know, the Bears still suck. Mm-hmm. So I am taking the Packers 23-20. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think this is the Bears trying to get into the playoffs you know, finally realizing some of those better ways to use Mitchell Trubisky, which I didn't realize that it would take this long into the season because they've had him for so long. But um, I think their offense is getting a little bit better, but I think they just kind of been playing against some lesser talent. So I will take uh, the Packers in a slugfest, but uh, I think it's going to be some good stuff from the defense, a couple of turnovers, some good sacks and pressures. So, a lot of the same from what we've seen from the offense, from the defense, but um, hopefully a little bit more consistency on the offensive side of the ball. Sarah, what do you got? Is this your magical week to finally take the opponent? Make your move? No. I, <laughs> I have to go with my gut. And my gut is telling me that the Packers are going to win. That's what they're telling me. 
there. That's what it. What? What am I saying? Okay. <laughs> anyway. My gut says you're the Orioles. The Packers are going to win. And I think it's going to be a close game, like you said, too, Steve. It's going to be freezing. It's going to be a little bit sloppy at times. But I have the Packers by a touchdown, 24-17. All right. You heard it here first. All three. I, well, well, go ahead. Well, you, you you feel pain. Like, do you want to switch? You you still have the ability no, to switch. I don't want to switch, but I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Oreo, Sarah. It's just Oreo, Why, dude. It's still, like on a level, it's still just sugar. Like no. you you're just eating sugar. I, know, I mean, it's a gross amount. It it's oh, no. also my pride and dignity. And there's and gonna be video, next, and like, I will take. I will find the worst. Podcast. I will go shot by shot to find the worst screenshot of your face while you eat it. So then I can make that my profile picture for like a week. <laughs> you suck so much. Hey, I, oh. what? It's not over. You could still, if this is the correct score, you're right in the. You're right Steve, in the thick of things. Steve, are about. you looking at her face? She's already defeated, man. It's dumb. Oh, I know. You can hear it's already her over. Voice, she's too. lost right now. Just make her eat them now and just get it over with because she's just going to dread it for another <laughs> few weeks. I honestly, I'll say, if you want to do it right now, this is what I'll tell you, sir. I'll make you a deal. You don't have to eat a sleeve. You'd have to eat three. That like is a deal. That, that's, that's, no, no, that's five. Two, that's two less five. than a sleeve, yeah. A sleeve is five. If and you it, want to take it, it right now. No, I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. <laughs> I almost want to say, Steve, do um, do two, and then it goes up every week. So she can decide, and then it ends No, with I'm, not hmm. I'm not this a is, quitter. This is what I'll give you. I'll give you two and a half. You can cut one of them in half. And split up the cream and then put it in two of them. So then you have like mega extra stuff Oreos. Anyway, think about it, Sarah. You got till yeah. next week. You have till next week to accept this offer. I think that's a no from her. She looks so sad. <laughs> the stone silence of like you guys suck. I thought she froze for a second, but she didn't. She just really yeah. Sad. I did. I legit thought that was a frozen screen, but. Uh... <laughs> Well, that kind of wraps things up for us. We will do what we always do, have some, a little time for some final thoughts uh, before we end the show. So, uh, Queen of Sorrow, but uh, why don't you lead us off? All right, well, I will actually, on Sunday night, so it will be out on Monday, be recording with Andy on this nice. weekend, and we'll be recapping the Packers-Bears game and whatever happens there. We'll be talking about it, so I'm sure – Whatever I write in my weekly game recap for Cheesehead TV, I will talk about a lot more and in-depth with Andy on Sunday. So I'm super excited about that. So I'm really happy that he invited me to come record with him, um, and it should be a lot of fun. So definitely keep an eye out for that. That'll be out on Monday of next week, and there should be a lot of interesting stuff. Hopefully we'll be talking about a Packers win and another division win for the Packers and I'm really excited about it so definitely something to look out for on Twitter in the coming days very cool Dusty uh, what do you got for us as far as articles videos what's going on with you in this world yeah this normal, week normal stuff man yeah I've got um so listen on Thursday uh yesterday so Wednesday I had a piece on Packer report about um I think it was five plays took a look at five plays and basically how Petten uh the sequence of plays over the course of the game I think Two in the first, I think three in the first half, uh, two in the second half, and how he used this um, 
DB. It was basically Amos that got his sack uh, on the first play, and after that it was Shannon Sullivan. How he used this look to uh, to generate pressure, uh, also look do some coverage behind that and open up pressure elsewhere as well. So you have this sequence of this this really cool cat and mouse thing of get the sack, make them respond, have them stone it, and then that make it look like you're doing something, do something else. Really fun sequence. Um, so that's over on uh, Packer Report now. Today, as you're listening to this, so Thursday, I got the Passing Chronicles up over at Cheesehead. I looked at seven plays, seven plays this week. And uh, some of that involved the, the tight end heavy looks that they that I was talking about that they ran this past week. And, uh, and maybe a couple things to look out for for this next week as well. So that was really fun. Uh, a lot of really cool concepts. You know, they missed on a couple of them. Um, the, the Aaron Jones sluggo that we talked about earlier, that is in there as well. Uh, but just, it was, it was a fun week. It seems like they're trying things different and they weren't quite in sync, but it was, it's still, they ran some really fun from a, a concepts perspective. They ran a lot of really fun concepts. And then uh, Friday, I'm really, really excited about this. So on Friday over on Packer Report, I dive into, uh, out of a three tight end set, the Packers ran a Texas concept, which is a uh, passing concept created by Mike Holmgren uh, when they were in the central division with the Bucks, and how Tony Dungy kind of going from cover two to Tampa two forced Holmgren to kind of create this, uh, just kind of this over the middle concept. So I dove into kind of the you know the basics of cover two, the evolution to Tampa two, how that informed the creation of this by Holmgren. So I get into the history of that a little bit, and then also how the Packers worked that off of a three tight end uh, kind of from trips as opposed to a tight end running back game, which is how it was created. So kind of taking an old concept, making it new, and throwing it in a heavy package. Really, really fun uh, article. I think this week uh, it's one of my favorite things I've written. I think this year, and so that'll be up on Friday. Outstanding. So much good stuff from Dusty. I know I give him crap all the time, but holy crap, the the amount of content that you can put out in a week, like I send out like seven tweets in this, it's, <laughs> and they're I, all garbage. I think I've mentioned this before, but I've sort of taken vacation days on Tuesdays and just knocking it all out on Tuesday. So basically everything I write, everything I do, I take one day and just roll through Power it and through. then I'm, and then I'm tired for a couple of days, but then I'm good for the rest of the week. So it's a, it's like one or two rough days. And after that, um, Free and clear, brother. Outstanding. Well, it's going to be about 15 degrees in Lambeau, roughly uh, on about time for kickoff. So my final thoughts are I want advice. I want advice from everybody in that's listening. I want anybody on Twitter. Give me all of the best piece of advice as to how to stay warm during this game. I've already gotten stuff on my Facebook of, you know, hand warmers in the boots and all this kind of stuff. But Anything and everything you can think of, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at CPRH. I want to know your your tips and tricks as the best way to stay warm at Lambeau because I want to enjoy the game, but I also don't want to freeze my ass off. So. Can, I throw, can I throw one quick one at you, Steve, that yeah, I thought about? Yeah. Well, there's two of them. First, something to sit on so you're not sitting on those cold, cold bleachers because you mm-hmm. lose a ton of heat I that way. I did hear you should at least rent the seat, rent the seat from Lambeau. Yeah, we did one year. The pro shop had, like, basically little, like, cheap little pads for 5 bucks. We did those. World of difference. The other one, even cheaper, Steve, a uh, piece of cardboard by your feet. Yep. Because it's that concrete. Those two things are massive. Okay. I, I that I already had plans on doing on bringing some cardboard for us uh, for sure. Um, so there's a couple other things you know I've I've seen the hand warmers hand warmers like on your toes like mm-hmm. underneath your socks is a big one, um, and then everybody else is just saying get drunk. So <laughs> you know uh, I, if you know me you know I probably won't have an issue with that. 
that sounds like a good thing. Also, I am contemplating making a a sign because I think it might be fun to try to get something on the national television when Dusty and I are hanging out and sit. So my this I will tell you guys my initial thought. I just want to get your uh, your organic reaction to it. Uh, I want to have one that just says I'm going to get a, a print off a picture of the most stuffed Oreos and I'm going to say most stuffed Oreos are trash. And then I was going to say hashtag go pack go and then at Packaday podcast. I mean, that's perfect, right? It's certainly on brand. There's no way I could improve that. Or I think you could do like a picture of the regular Oreo and under it put the Green Bay Packers logo and then that's put good. the most of Oreo and then under it put the Chicago Bears logo. I, that's good. Oh. I like that. I like Dude. that. That's really good. Well done. That, I mean, Sarah just You're kicked welcome. my ass in literally like three seconds. <laughs> Out, outstanding work, kid. You graduate college. Look at this. She graduates college, and all of a sudden she has all these amazing ideas. Like, school, school of life, Steve. School mm-hmm. of life. Hey, it is what it is. That I will I will tell you that was a way better idea than my idea. That was really good. That was mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's a perfect way to end it of uh, Packer, <laughs> the Packers are better than the Bears and original Oreos are better than most stuff Oreos. So I don't think we need to do anything else. I think that that'll end it. Um, Sarah, again, congratulations on graduating college. Yes. It's outstanding. Uh, everyone, you. Everyone's very proud of you. Very, very cool. We will talk to you guys next week. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter because I'm sure there will be a bunch of crap that Dusty and I will be posting on Sunday. <laughs> Seems um, likely. Seems likely. I, I am taking a shuttle up to the game from the Sazes, so and they have a premium bar for me. So you know, I might be a little, uh, a little intoxicated by the time I get to the game. So there will definitely be some videos, some tweets, all sorts of good stuff coming from the two of us. And I'm sure Sarah will have like a sad cat face FOMO going on. It'll be outstanding. So follow us at Sarah Kelleher four at Dusty Evely at C Perhatch. And as always, at Packaday Podcast. Uh, you guys know, thank you for listening as well. We always love your interactions. Um, so please keep it up. And uh, we'll talk to you guys after the Packers kick the Bears' ass. Yes, sir. So, Sarah, Dusty, we'll talk to you guys next week. Dusty, I will see you on Sunday. Yes, brother. It'll be exciting. Good times. And as always, go back, go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.